Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He was shot multiple times on a car stop by a serial rapist and left to die. And he's joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Joining us on the phone, calling from Texas, we have Bobby Dupree calling us. Bobby, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show. Glad to have you. Bobby and I played in phone tag, email, all kinds of things. And we're going to talk about Bobby's career, something that happened in his career. Uh, that, uh, well, basically, we, we want to give people your perspective. Let, let's start from the beginning. Give a brief overview of your law enforcement career from start to finish. A bird's eye view. Okay. Went to the academy around 90, 93, something like that. Started with a small rural department, then went to corrections with uh, Bowie County there in Texarkana. Uh, did correctional officer, used my commission with the rural station that I was at. I used that commission to become court transport. I did the correctional officer deal, the SRT, rec yard, things like that. Uh, then I got moved over to... Uh, deputy, the beat deputy. Then I went to uh, K-9, did that for four or five years, and, and then the incident in February 24th of 2000. And we will talk about that incident in a moment. Before we do, I want to thank you for your service, and I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm retired police, and I've always said, I don't think I could do corrections. My hat's off to you, because that, that takes a special person and a special acquired skill set to be able to do that work. Yes, it, it is. Uh, it's different. Uh, I really believe that every, I think every police officer should have to do it. Uh, and generally over here in Texas, most of them, you have to be in corrections before you go to the street. It gives you an overview of kind of the people you're dealing with. You get to learn the inmate games. You know, they play with you to try to, you know, get over with, on you on different things. Um, I think I think it's beneficial. It does take a special person. You have to realize that they're they're human beings. 
they messed up. They're rehabilitating. They're learning how to, you know, they're they're learning a trade. That that that's one of the good things I liked about it. You know, they had wood shop and uh, metalworking, different things like that, which were uh, helping the inmates that had made a mistake and were uh, trying to correct their lives. Now, there's some of them. Me and you both know that they're they're never they're never going to change. They've made that decision to be on that side. So. And I always tell people, you know, when you look at the at prison jail population, uh, there are people that are in there because they had ta- 10 bad minutes of their life. They made a bad decision, bad choice, uh, probably under the influence of alcohol and or drugs. There were people there that uh, if it wasn't for alcohol and drugs, they'd never be in jail ever. And then you have a very small percentage of that population that are career violent criminals. The vast majority of people in jail are not those violent career criminals, but they get housed with the, everybody else the same same way. Correct. That is correct. I've, I've met some really interesting people and some really diabolical people that, you know, some, some of them, you know, they just, like you said, 10 minutes of bad mm-hmm. affected their life. And then you have people that you just stare into the face of evil. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, that's a great... You to watch your back. That's a, a great overview of, of law enforcement work in general. I don't care where you are in the United States. You're going to meet the vast majority of people aren't bad people. Right, right. It's just a very small percentage. And that small percentage, they do a lot of damage and a lot. They inflict a lot of violence and a lot of carnage. Right, that is true. And you also see the ones that are career criminals that are using kids that would be handled by a juvenile system where, you know, slap your wrist, let you go to move narcotics or whatever it is. And, and that's the part that you want. That's, that's the one you want to stop. You want the one that's going to influence the younger generations. You want them off the street. You, you're bringing up so many things that are familiar in conversations I have with the people. They'll say, for example, drugs are a victimless crime. And I explain to them, well, it's not quite like that. You look in any inner city, any part of the United States where you wind up having drugs, you wind up having drug gangs, you want to have them infiltrating neighborhoods, and they're almost like a cancer, and you can see it spread, and you see what happens. You meet young kids, and I've had the experience to meet kids when they're 10, 11, great kids, they got in a drug game, they shorted the guy, they messed up the money, or it might be, and I was there when they were dying because they got shot to death at 16. Right, That yeah, that that's a horrible, that's a horrible thing to witness. I, I also... Not quite the same thing, but when you when you witness a child die or you're holding them in your arms and watch them pass, that that's that's a hard thing to deal with. That might that be really one is. of the hardest things in law enforcement. At least it was for me. Yeah, the kids that that was that was the hardest thing when 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 the the EMS came up and you know been a head on collision whatever and. Um, I thought this this first responder. I thought he was a first responder, and he was holding oxygen on this young lady. She uh, she had just got her driver's license, and um, he just took off. You know, we never blame anybody because everybody has their breaking point. So I just grabbed the oxygen and was holding her uh, on her face, and then all of a sudden, you know, she started getting color back, and they were like, "All right, we're going to do this and do this, and then we're going to put her in this uh, pressure." thing and put the pressure back on her and keep that on there and keep the oxygen on her and the minute they relieved the pressure she went right through me i was looking dead in her eyes too and that that little girl has haunted me for 20 plus years yeah 
Yeah, and those are things. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. At least it seems to me. No matter how long it's been, uh, they become part of you. Those experiences become part of you, and it doesn't really ever leave you. I mean, it doesn't have as much impact as it used to back in the day, but it's still there. Right, right. Around anniversary time, uh, I believe one of the segments you were talking, uh, maybe it was Facebook or something, about live days. I, I wrote a story about that. It's why you contacted me, I think. I wrote a story about anniversary blues that's uh, on law enforcement today and, and yeah, how I deal with them because we all have them. First responders. Right. Police, law enforcement, corrections, uh, military veterans, we all have those anniversary days of really, really bad things. And no matter what you do, sometime during the day, no matter how many years before it was, it sneaks up on you and it has impact on your day. Yeah, it, it really does. In, any kind of traumatic event or critical incident, uh, you know, a tornado comes through a town, you're going to have people that are going to relive that moment, you know, the rest of their lives. It won't be as intense as time goes on, but they will relive it. Yeah. I heard a great explanation from someone uh, who was a first responder, a law enforcement officer. He said, you know, we went to these scenes of all these horrible crimes and horribly traumatic accidents and fires and all these other things that you and I both know about. And every time you're there, it's like picking up a pebble and putting it in your backpack. After a career of 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it might be, there's one pebble that goes in there and it overloads the entire system and a breakdown occurs. Yes, that that is true. And that's something that it, it's uh, the mental health of of the officer, I think, is a very important thing that's that is widely overlooked. Yes. Uh, you got the stigma attached to a police officer. It's like, man, you know, this little girl is in my dream every night for a month, every night, every night, every night. And so you've got this stigma attached to, well, how do I stop this? If I go look for, you know, help, then the upper echelon is going to say, well, something's wrong with him, and then you're going to be gone. Right. So they stuff it down inside, or they look for some sort of a substance to nullify that or numb it, and then you end up with a, with with the uh, with addiction. Absolutely. You end up with the, the roots of addiction right there. Absolutely. We're talking with Bobby Dupree. Uh, his story gets really interesting and i'm saying that because there's a lot of violence involved a lot of trauma you listen to law enforcement show we're taking a short break we'll be right back we all know that law enforcement first responders and military have dangerous jobs they see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine and all too often that takes a toll leading to substance abuse ptsd and co-occurring mental health disorders Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888 991 9725 
online at transformationstreatment.center. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786 800-932-1786. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. That's 800-663-5107. Are you struggling with vision loss as you get older? Do you have a child who is blind or losing their vision? Are you a blind person wondering how you'll succeed in school, at work, or as a parent? We can help. The National Federation of the Blind knows that blindness doesn't have to keep you from living the life you want. We invite you to learn more about us and how we can help at nfb.org. The National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. And we are back talking with Bobby Dupree. Now, Bobby, you're retired now, correct? That that is correct. That is correct. Do you want to say what agency you retired from? Yeah, with the Bowie County Sheriff's Office and... um, around Texarkana, north, northeast Texas. By the way, when I talk about Texas, I know the old jokes uh, about, you know, how big things are in Texas. We've had some guests on this show, a couple in particular were Texas Department of Public Safety, uh, Highway Patrol, I believe is the term they use. Another one was a Fort Worth police officer. We've had some phenomenal law enforcement people and their family members as guests, and they got some great people doing great things down there. Yeah, Texas is is the place you want to be a law enforcement officer. They, they're they're really good to their officers. Every officer in the state's got your back. Uh, it, it's really it's really a great place to work. It's also a little tougher than other places. Uh, you have to go through. It's a lot of lot a lot of book work. 
That's what they say. A lot of in-service in training, and uh, you wouldn't think that from the stereotypes we always see on television of Texas. You know, everybody's backwards down there, according to television, and it's not the truth. No, it, it's not. They they take that very seriously. Well, you had a long career, and then things changed, and, and you alluded to it in the first part of the interview. There was a date where something absolutely horrible happened to you. What was that date? That was February the 24th of the year 2000. Okay, so we're talking about 18, almost 19 years ago. Right. The anniversary date, as we were talking about, is coming up. Those anniversary dates, man, they're tough. They're tough. Yeah, you know, yeah, it is. And I, I tell people what I do, and I don't go into a lot of details, but what I do is I just get real quiet. I, I let my, my spouse know, you know, without going into a lot of details, hey, it's an anniversary of a bad thing that happened. She knows by now. I pray I meditate, I try to be still, I try to be quiet, and most importantly, I try to focus my attention on doing something today and distract myself. That, that, is, that is correct. That, that's the best thing to do is find you something, get you a project, and then just do it on that day. Oh, yeah, the, most, also, the most mind-numbing project. I don't care if it's nailing nails into a piece of wood. Something that it's like eats up time and I don't have to think about anything. Right. Wood, wood carving's a good one. You just end up carving, and, and you just really just made wood shavings is all you did. The wood's gone. You just made. So I imagine you've done a lot of wood carving since 2000. I, I, have, I have done some wood carving, uh, but one, one of the things that, that helps me is my art. It, it, I was an artist before. I've been drawing since I was about three. Um, just done that, you know, off and on. Even learned how to do the police sketching stuff. That was that was a pretty cool deal. Never did it professionally, you know, at, on the job because they came out with some computer programs and things like that. But uh, that that's what I do as, as a release because I can get inside that artwork, that piece of paper. And I would suggest this to anyone that is having, you know, post-traumatic stress, post-traumatic stress disorder or anniversary days or something. Get, get into art because when you're thinking about trying to mix a color or shading on a pencil drawing you can't think of two things at the same time i know i can't my 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 brain just doesn't work like that right pretty much nobody's brain works like that and it's really good because it puts my attention on focusing on what's going on today it doesn't mean it takes away the impact of what happened in the past it just means that i i switch my brain and focus on something else right so let's go back. February of 2000, what were you doing in law enforcement at that time? At that time, I was uh, assigned to the criminal interdiction uh, unit. I was a canine officer. Um, it was kind of strange. That, uh, the night before, we had had a big roundup, warrant roundup. Um, I don't even remember how many it was, 20-plus people. And I had a weird feeling the day before and I was like, man, you know how you just sometimes when you go into a situation, you go, man, this is it. Yeah. I just, something, you just feel weird. Okay. I thought it was going to happen then. And, um, so I only had like an hour of my time that I needed to, cause I did seven hours that night. So I only had an hour left and I was supposed to go get the rotors changed on my unit. Well, I got there and they said, uh, Bobby, your rotors didn't come in. I was like, okay. I said, well, I'll go out, you know, to my area. And as soon as I got out there, um, of course, at the body shop, or uh, not the body shop, but the mechanic shop, 
I didn't. All I had on was my BDU bottoms, my gun belt, and a T-shirt because mm-hmm. I was going to get my rotor change. Yeah, because you were pretty much out of service at that point. Correct. So, uh, I just got a t-shirt on. I go to my AO, and I'm getting my vest out, you know, to put it on and all that stuff. We call it the monkey suit. You know, you put your, all your badge and mm-hmm. kind of stuff on. Well, I'm sitting there, and I'm in the median, in a grass median, divided highway. And this car shoo, comes by in front of me and kicks the grass up. I'm like, holy, you know. So I look, and he's bumping like people are having to get out of his way. And I'm like, oh, man, a drunk here, you know. And I look at it, and I'm like, it's 5, rush hour. He's going into a populated area. i got to stop this guy. And so I jump, close the door, throw my vest in the seat, <laughs> put it in drive, and I'm taking off. And I call and say, you know, I'm 1038 on this vehicle. I had to do that like three times. Uh, at five o'clock when the upper echelon is getting off, that's when radio traffic starts. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Lead over. So evidently she didn't hear me. Uh, so I finally get her to, you know, answer me on 38 and I was at the 200 mile marker. I mean, right at the 200 mile marker. He pulled, he pulled over right to her. I get a glimpse and I see that vest and I went, oh, and I patted my chest and I said, well, I hope this ain't it. And as I got, get out of the car, as I approach the back of the car, she goes, I need you 10-9 tag, which is repeat the tag. Right. So I back up, and I reach down. And I can remember that tag to this day. That's one of those things that happens. And I read the tag off. I'm not going to read it on there, but blah, blah, blah. You read three numbers. You look up. You read the next three. Because if you don't give that tag to that dispatcher and you get shot or whatever happens, they don't know who to look for. Right. He's gone. So you have to do that procedure. This is before the days of having a computer in the car and all that, right? So you couldn't manually oh, yeah. answer it. Yeah. Like, that's these, my that's my type of policing. We had to give the dispatcher the info. Right. That yeah, that's why I tell these young guys now, I'm like, Man, y'all got it so good. But uh so we're having to do that and I read the first three characters, I look up, as I'm reading the next three characters, my mind goes, Where is he at? And as I look up, all I can see is his eye and a Glock 40 caliber sticking out the window. I have no vest on him. This is not good. So I'm starting to do my deal. You know, it's like time goes to just nanoseconds. It crawls. I'm going from, I'm going from my, my weapon. I see a puff of smoke come out of the end of the barrel, and then I see the bullet come out. And my mind is thinking, the bullet has misfired. You're going to move out of the way, return fire. It's going through all these scenarios in just milliseconds. Stand up on your tiptoes. You don't have a vest. Slap the bullet. I mean, all this ninja stuff is like, what? what you know, you, it's really weird, the time involved. Bobby, I have to cut you off. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, the night and the incident that changed Bobby Dupree's life and career in law enforcement. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll be right back. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? 
then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 Epidemic America's public health crisis These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. expanding the law enforcement today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly we now have two facebook pages you can do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show that's a new page be sure to click like when you get there and follow in addition we have our main page which is law enforcement today so do a search on facebook for law enforcement today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well like i said We've got two Facebook pages now. So when you have a chance, if you haven't done so already, the easiest way to keep up with all the news and updates regarding the Law Enforcement Today radio show, also a great way to interact and contact me is to like and follow our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Back to our conversation with Bobby Dupree, retired from Bowie County Sheriff's Department in Texas. Uh, Did I get that correct, Bobby? That is correct. Named Mm. after Jim Bowie. Uh, Awesome. Uh, I'm so proud of myself. We left... Off, you're talking about a brief overview. You were you're supposed to be out of service, but you weren't. Uh, you got a car stop, a guy speeding, driving like a lunatic. You don't have your vest on. Uh, when you're giving the dispatcher the tag number, all of a sudden the guy's got a gun pointed at you and he's shooting at you. And we know for those who don't know, 
Bobby's absolutely right. I mean, time crawls. It, it comes very slow. Your perceptions of things are just, it's heightened awareness and you lose like, for me at least, uh, hearing. I didn't hear a lot of other things going on. My, my mind became focused, laser focused on the threat. Is that what's right. happening with you? Exactly. No sound. Couldn't, couldn't hear the sound. I could tell it was the end of a Glock. I couldn't tell the caliber or whatever. I was. I managed to get up on my tiptoes and stretch, and I was literally trying to slap it with my ticket book. And um, when it hit me, it hit me just under my left uh, nipple, uh, the bottom of the ribs. Um, when it hit me, it was like Sammy Sosa putting one over the left field wall. It was a hydroshock. 40 caliber. It's no joke round and no joke caliber. Right. That was the first round. So it starts spin it hit me it's like Sammy Sosa I said and it's it spins me. So I reach and and uh, go for my gun and like you said you can't hear it spun me. I didn't realize that he had shot me in my right arm between my shoulder and elbow hit the artery and nerve channel just under the bone, just nicked the bone. So in my mind, I am firing back to get to cover. You know, I'm laying down suppressive, trying to get to behind the engine block, and I go down. Well, I get up, crawl a little bit, and I've got, I've already went for my mag change. Because I've, you know, counted in your head, you know, 50, 60, 70, you know, got your mag. Well, when I went to put the mag in the gun, no gun came up. And that's when I looked down and my arm was white with big purple splotches on it. And I'm thinking, man, this is just getting worse and worse. That sounds like, and I'm no expert, but like an arterial bleed? Oh, yeah, it was a squirter. Uh, As Skinny Medic says on YouTube, oh, my God, that's a lot of blood. It it was. So at this time, I start, I'm on the ground, and I've got this magazine in my hand, and I'm like, this arm doesn't work. You've got a backup gun in the passenger side taped under the seat. You're going to have to either get to that, something. Then I see his feet. He has gotten out of the vehicle. And as I'm trying to move toward the motor, I I could see, like, it's, he must have fired really close to my head because I was deaf in one ear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, wow, this, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. I didn't realize that he had shot me in the back also in the right side. So I had a double lung shot. It's easier to say what didn't get hit. My right kidney didn't get hit and my heart didn't get hit. The arterial, the ones that go up your backbones already in vain, that didn't get hit. Everything else was just ripped up by those hollow points. So now I'm thinking, bud, this is really bad. You are not going to get to that backup weapon at least this this is what strange thing at least get your head under the vehicle so your wife can have an open casket and your kids so i'm trying to get there but i I don't make it now i turn around the guy is staring me straight in the face has a gun to my head and i'd always heard this you know we had instructors you know and there was like your your verbal commands on mechanics of arrest tell them to stop blah, 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 you know, somewhere in their life they've heard that a policeman, you know, you do what a policeman said, even if they're bad guys. And it worked. 
I said, stop. And he stopped. And I said, I'm dead already, dude. Just leave me alone. Let me die by myself. And he literally stopped. And you could see his expression change. He put the gun in his pocket. And then he went to his vehicle. And I started rattling off the uh, descriptions of him, what he was wearing, um, the car, things like that. Then when he left and I was all alone, that's a strange feeling. And I, I'm a deer hunter, and I only had about 30 yards where, you know, the blood trails were. I'm like, dude, 30 yards and you're going to bleed out. You need to get your trauma kit. And this is before trauma kits were in every vehicle. I had made my own trauma kit. And I worked on the west end of the county. I was out on the interstate by myself. Uh, so some of the medic friends I had, they were like, dude, you need to do this, 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 this. You know, they told me, you know, about chest seals and stuff. I had studied EMT. I was going to be an EMT before I did that. So I had a basic knowledge of it. I, I was thinking, all right, go. it was easier route to go to the back door on the non-traffic side. But I was like, all right, if you fall down and you become unconscious, no one's going to see you. So get on the traffic side. And you can see in the video there's seven or eight spots where this squirter was just pouring blood out, uh, where I would fall down and I'd get back up and fall down. There'd be a pool, fall down about seven or eight times. And I literally could hear my offensive line coach saying, don't you quit till the whistle blows. And I always told my wife, thank isn't God. It, isn't it amazing where that comes from? I mean, in your, in your mind, uh, there's no rhyme or reason, I would think, about why we think about the things we do during those life-threatening situations. They just, they come. Right. It's like a computer that's been programmed over many years that, that pulls things from, from the, like the Rolodex of, hey, we need to do this, you know, t- trans-derivational thought process. All right, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. You need to, we need to give you motivation. We need this. So I could hear my coach saying that, and I got to my trauma kit. And I was, wasn't able to use my right arm. So I had to put a roll of four inch gauze, had to break it open, put it in my teeth, lean over, let gravity hold the arm down, throw it over, catch it, throw it over, roll it until I get enough around there that it's not going to break and then tighten it as best I can and hold it in my teeth. At this time, I could feel that I, my breath is getting shorter. And as I look down, there's just blood all over, you know, the side of me. The only thing, I, there's no time to make a chest seal. How far away was backup for you? I, I really don't remember. I remember the first officer that, that showed up, um, David Putman. We called him Putty. Uh, he showed up, and I must have looked really, really bad because he had a look on his face. I've never seen him look like that. His eyes were big as saucers. Bobby, I'm going to cut you off. We're going to have to take a short break. We're talking to Bobby Dupree, retired Bowie County, Texas Sheriff's Deputy, about the night he was shot or the day he was shot and how his life changed and how he barely survived. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand and for over 35 years now I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677... 
24 hours and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. <laughs> Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. And we are back with our conversation with Bobby Dupree, retired Bowie County, Texas Sheriff's Deputy. Bobby, thank you for joining us on the show. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm on the edge of my seat listening to your story. For those of you just joining us, Bobby had a car stop a few moments before he was supposed to get off work. Uh, he was basically out of service and, and decided he needed to take action. Uh, was shot multiple times with a 40 caliber. Uh, weapon and basically we left off running short on time you're you're having to save your own life because you're in a a rural stretch of texas where help is a long ways away correct but is your backup first responder says man you look really bad and what happened then so i've got my finger in in the it's a sucking it's a sucking chest I, i can tell i've got pink bubbles coming out of my nose when he when that guy shot me and hit me in that arm, as I turned, you could see the pink mist. It was it was just literally a big cloud of mist. It just pink mist. But anyway, so I got my finger in this hole and I went under my rib, I felt the diaphragm, and then I, I could feel the spongy. So I was like, Okay, well you've got the sucking chest wound, you you've got diminished breath, but you know, you'll be all right. You're holding the tourniquet with your teeth. But I didn't know I'd been shot in my back right chest. So I've got a, just an open hole that is just it's happening. So I get to the back of the vehicle, and I'm like, all right, you got to flag somebody down. Because I didn't realize that I had rattled off all this information and told them I was shot, and I needed the ambulance and all. I did, I did not remember doing that at all. So I'm at the back of the vehicle. Uh, I'm trying to wave people down. And like you said, time stop. I could see each people's face in the vehicles that were going by, the ones that was looking at me. Yeah, they're a face where they were just, you know, you could, I was making eye contact with them. Uh, evidently, somebody did call. Uh, David Putman was the first officer on the scene, but just by, I don't call them coincidences, I call them God incidences. Mm-hmm. A lady from the Telford unit of Texas Department of Criminal Justice had, been, had worked too long the night before. They sent her home. She made two wrong turns, ended up at me. She turned me around i was sitting up she turned me around put my body my chest against the ground put my feet on the bumper and then uh putman arrived and the ambulance the ambulance driver they picked me up in like seven minutes it's this is unheard of the ambulance driver told me he said they started to turn and go toward oklahoma he said let's go get some gas first so 
he told me, Bobby, we passed you as you were getting out of your unit. So they picked me up just, I mean, lickety-split. The really strange thing about that was when they put me on the backboard, because evidently my legs didn't work or something, so they put me on the backboard. When they rolled me over, I thought they dropped me because I, en- I ended up face down. And I'm like, man, I've been through all this, and now they dropped me off the stretcher board thing. And uh, when I opened my eyes, I was about 40 foot above the ambulance watching all these people work on my vessel. And that's not something you get to see every day. That's what they call a, an out-of-body experience. Oh, yes. And it was quite an experience. Uh, I can't explain it. That's not my job. I just I just report, observe and report. So I'm seeing this. I'm watching the guys doing chest compressions on me. They turn me and they put me in the ambulance. A big old boy, he pushes it up to lock it in. They start to pull off and the bed kind of starts sliding. He has to jump back out, grab it, shove it home. They take off. He grabs the door. He skips a little bit, gets in the ambulance and goes. Well, whatever these things on the side of me are, the welcome wagon, angels, I don't know. Uh, I wish I would have looked at them now, you know, to see what they were. But as the ambulance drove away, they turned me up, and there was no more earth. It was like we were in between two cloud layers, and we were screaming at this unimaginable speed towards this gold-ish light. That this light, when it touched you, did not feel like sunlight. When this light touched you, it felt like love like a hug from your grandmother or something it was it was really really strange everything turns white i'm like this is the white light everybody talks about as i start to be able to see my vision you know as i'm starting to make out things i see two people upside down i'm like that's weird maybe everything's upside down here i don't know i've never been before so i hear he's back dropping and the big dude that had shoved the bed in had me up was holding me up and wringing my legs out like a rag and they were putting a line in my chest and my arms and neck and all this stuff so I'm like what was that all about you know so I asked them I said hey am I going to die in this ambulance and they all looked at each other and that guy said you're not going to die in this ambulance which I know that because everybody DOA you don't never die in the ambulance but anyway they, they were nice to me uh, so you you had, basically you basically died at, at one point at, at least one time was there others during the, the, this whole yes. incident three times uh one on the table and that time i just kind of was like you could see everybody in blue and, and to this day i do not like people in blue scrubs I, that freaks me out but anyway and then the next time was when I was in ICU, and um, that was that was really strange. It was like you go back to a comfortable place, uh, which was my grandmother's house when I was a little kid. Uh, she had a bed with feather mattresses on it that she kept in case people came over. They would use the mattresses. And uh, wasn't that an old John Denver song, "Grandma's Feather Bed"? Yeah, it was kind of like that, you know. And yeah, so, that's what I thought of the first thing you said. With you said that, it's like way, way back in the day. By the way, if you never yeah. heard of folks, look it up on on Google. Yeah, well, uh, welcome wagon again or whatever. It was a, it was sound like a female voice it was behind my right ear. It was going, "Is this it?" And I said, "This is the most comfortable I've ever been." You know, peace. 
and uh, all the tubes had went away. They were all gone, and um, these the window there, you could see a tree like I was going up, like on a scissor lift or something, and we were getting towards the top of the tree, and I said, I really want to make sure my kids grow up right. And she said, uh, she said, okay, baby. And she put me down, and then that all the electrical shock and all that stuff had uh, happened. And I spent 14 days in ICU, 35, 40 days in the hospital. And I started going downhill, and they said, we need, we need to get him out of here. We're going to send him home with a nurse. And so I stayed. I ended up staying in a recliner for about three years, off and on surgeries. Uh, they left my guts open to heal from the inside out. Yeah, I can't even talk about that. I mean, literally, I, I will get uh, sick to my stomach. <laughs> it, it was it was really... And, and your family a, had to see this and go through all this with you. Right. I had an eight-month-old little boy. I had a seven-year-old, uh, six-year-old little boy. Um, so the eight-month-old had to go, you know, for the next three years. Uh, what he thought a daddy was was someone that laid in the corner of the uh, room with all this stuff on him and wasn't able to, uh, you know, feed yourself or had a colostomy bag. <clears throat> multiple, multiple surgery. I don't even know, 30, 40, something like that. It's amazing and I would say miraculous uh, and not a coincidence uh, uh, that you are still alive and able to tell your story with us. And you know, we're, we've run out of time, but there's so much more to cover after this that we're gonna have to have you back on the show another time to talk about your recovery, your recuperation, uh, and more importantly, what life is like for you now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've, I've had several people that when I tell the story, uh, they're like, man, you need to write a book. You do. And, uh, and by the way, I've if got- there's any authors out there listening that want to collaborate on writing a book with Bobby Dupree, contact me here at Law Enforcement Today, and we'll get you hooked up. Yeah, I can tell the story, but I, I can't write it. Um, that's like it took out my right arm. You know, as an artist, it took till 2012 for that to come back. Well, you did a really good uh, job telling your story. Bobby Dupree, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show. We will definitely have you back to tell the rest of your story on a later date. All right, Jay. Hey, I appreciate it. In every community across the United States, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. Download our free app. On our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us through the free app. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is j, that's J-A-Y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya. Thank you.